We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 68 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. We have got a packed show today. We're breaking down the Gamecocks' thrilling 48-44 to win in Oxford over the Ole Miss Rebels. Also preview the upcoming matchup, the Gamecocks' road trip down to Gainesville to face the Florida Gators. And we've also got Jackson Raymer on the show from inside the Gators to break down the matchup from the Florida perspective. All that and more, we got a packed show for you guys. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? I'm Chris Phillips. He's Thomas Floyd. Like I said, packed show today. Uh, a lot to talk about, Tom, in the world of the Gamecocks. Obviously, we're going to start with the Ole Miss game. Uh, Gamecocks find a way to get it done on Saturday and what was a thrilling, thrilling game. Um, I told everybody to bet the under in that one, so I, I looked very, very foolish by halftime. Uh, but, but it was a lot of fun. Gamecocks, and those are definitely fun when you get the win. Gamecocks pull out the win 48-44. But first, Tom, before I get into that, how have you been? How was your weekend? Um, and just how are you doing on this uh, on this Tuesday afternoon? Uh, it's always a good weekend with the Gamecocks win. Can't uh, can't be disappointed about that. Obviously, the Patriots won. If you're not living under a rock, so overall, a great weekend for me football wise. The Patriots always win. And, Even when they lose, they win. And my Bobcat football. I don't know if any of my player, the team, the high school team I coach, we won the first round of playoffs. Going down to Thomas Hayward this weekend, gonna crack some go. skulls hopefully. There you go. Where y'all play this weekend? Uh, Thomas Hayward is in uh, Ridgeland, near near uh, the border between South Carolina and Georgia. Gotcha. gotcha. You're in the pri- the private school. So Skeezer, Carolina, we're in the skis at second round of playoffs. Okay. Single yeah, A football. Sorry. I'm a I'm a little big league for that. I was four A in high school. So wow, congratulations, man! You're so cool. <laughs> All right, let's get into the game, Tom. Um, just go and start. I mean, your initial reaction from what was again a wacky game on Saturday. You and I were texting back and forth and you know, going back and forth in the game. Your initial reaction is to what uh, what happened on Saturday? Uh, just an overall insane game. I don't think Jake – I would I would easily say that's the best game Jake Billings played in his career, making NFL throws, it seems like. And I don't know if it's a it's a 12 o'clock kickoff thing that makes him play well or what it is, but we – I mean, maybe this weekend it'll help too with the Florida game, but maybe we just need to start scheduling more games at 12 because if you look at the games against, like – Vandy and I mean Coastal. I know it's Coastal, but it's Coastal Carolina. Those both of those games, he played really well, and it obviously had some kind of factor going into the game against um against Ole Miss. But 
I think I think there were a lot of South Carolina fans there Saturday, and I think that helped a lot when you ha- when you travel on the road like that, and it's an it's an easier environment. But it's not going to be like that for this weekend, regardless of whether or not you know the whether it's a twelve kickoff, what kickoff, he's not going to have that kind of ease of the fan base. You know, there's not going to be it's not not going to be a very loose environment like Ole Miss, like like it's going to be at Florida. But um, as far as the Ole Miss game, I was you know very pleased with multiple facets of the game on offense. But defensively, there was a lot to be left. But in, you know, in the fourth quarter, when the defense had to step up, they did, and I think we can all appreciate that. Yeah, you know, we're going to break it all down individually. Obviously, offense, defense, special teams, whatever else. Um, but yeah, just starting off right into the game on Saturday. I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't able to make the trip down there obviously this weekend, but, uh, or this past weekend, but you know, I heard there was obviously a huge, 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 uh, piece of Gamecock nation down there. Tons of Gamecock fans that were down in the Grove that really made it feel like almost not a home field advantage, if you will. But, you know, from everything that I heard that I saw ton of Garnet and black in the stadium, and you're right. That definitely helps when you're going on the road, uh, jumping right into it. I would definitely agree with you. I think Jake Bentley. Um, and it all begins and ends with number 19, as we know. I think he had his best game as a Gamecock by far. Uh, I've got the stats pulled up here. 22 of 32, 363, two touchdowns, no picks. Had the game-winning touchdown, you'd say, with about five minutes left when he ran it in, uh, took off and ran it in for a touchdown. Just overall time, I mean, extremely impressed, you know, again, for all the – for the hell that we've been back and forth with Jake Bentley and that we've given him hell at times. That, to me, was really – the game where he showed what he is truly capable of when he's on and commanding the offense because he was commanding that offense from snap one. Every throw was on the money. He probably hasn't – he probably has a 400-yard passing day if Shy Smith doesn't drop a couple of deep balls that he threw to him. Um, talk about, Tom, just, you know, again, breaking it down a little bit deeper, what you saw in Jake Bentley because he was out there throwing some absolute dimes on Saturday. I mean, I, just like you said, I think he threw some C's and – Obviously, he had a couple of passes out to running backs in the backfield. The screen game with Tyson Williams, if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, probably would have had a career day. But I think he had one of his best games in the game pack uniform, if not the best. Would have, like you said, if not for that shot, Smith drop would have even had an even better day, probably over 400 yards. But obviously, he, he took advantage of a very weak Ole Miss defense. And that's not to say that Billy had a back. You know, Billy didn't you know, play well because he obviously played really well. But it was very exciting to see that. Maybe it'll carry over into the Florida game. Yeah, I mean, we can definitely acknowledge that Ole Miss is not exactly a juggernaut defensively. But Jake Bentley, I just thought, made some throws, obviously, that maybe we've seen him miss or we've seen his wide receivers drop. Going to get to the wide receivers in a second because, oh, boy, they have a big day. But, yeah, I, I think Jake Bentley, too, one thing's funny, he's a little underrated on his feet. I mean, I, I don't think he's the most nimble dude, obviously. I mean, he's not fast. That's a, you know, that's a given. But he seems to have a way to really, you know, sneak out there by the defense and get just enough for that first down or on that touchdown run he had. I mean, he, he just drops back, and he's able to find that crease and get just enough of a hole where he's able to go in and score. So, I mean, Jake Bentley, like I said, played the all-around game that I think we've all been looking for. And then, you know, Tom, it's amazing. Um, you know, we talked about after that Missouri game, how would that impact Jake Bentley? Is it going to help him? Is he going to take that as a challenge? Or is he going to crumble? And I really think you can look at it now and say that I'm not going to say it was the best thing to ever happen to him, but I think it really, really helped him and did challenge him because, you know, ever since he got booed in the first quarter against Texas A&M, I know fans obviously did not like that. A lot of fans didn't. He's been really good since then. I mean, you could say since the second half of Texas A&M, he, right now he's playing, his, on, he's playing his best stretch of football, I would say. I mean, would you agree with that? I, he's, and in my opinion, he's playing at a very elite level right now since that second half of A&M. 
I mean, I definitely agree, but if you take it out, take it in context, you know, Ole Miss and Tennessee don't have the best defenses in the world, but still, I mean, he's gone there and played well and done everything that's asked out of him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You got to definitely take, take into account, and this this weekend's going to go a long way, and we're going to obviously get into it. This weekend's going to go into – uh, go a long way for Jake Bentley as far as if he can go out there and do just even half of what he did this past weekend. I mean, you know, he's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a much different narrative than it was a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, I mean, obviously the complete game from Jake Bentley just really, really impressed. And you got to tip your cap to that kid because he laid it all on the line. And um, his wide receivers were able to make some plays for him, his running backs as well. There's so many different pieces you can dissect. I want to talk about the wide receivers, Tom, because obviously they were a much maligned group. They had a ton of drops in that Texas A&M game just a couple of weeks ago. You know, we were – you know, everybody was – I don't want to say down on them, but, you know, not feeling nearly as good as you were before the season. And then the South Carolina wide receiving core. We talked about it in last week's show. With How would they take on the challenge of proving that they were worthy of all that preseason hype and worthy of being considered even better than that, the old Miss receiving core that has guys like A.J. Brown – uh, Demarcus Lodge that did have DJ, uh, DK Metcalf, and those guys showed out. I mean, Brian Edwards, catch of the season. Like I said on social media, don't add us. Catch of the season, hands down, the one-handed grab that I think brought back memories of Alshon to every single South Carolina fan. Uh, Shy Smith definitely had some big plays. Debo Samuel had some big plays. Tom, talk about just what you saw from the wide receiving core as a whole. I mean, that play from Brian was absolutely crazy. He makes a one-handed catch the – you know, defensive back all over him and throws then throws the guy off him and outruns another guy for a seventy five yard touchdown. And when's the last when's the last time you've seen that from a guy in a South Carolina uniform? I mean really it's Alshon Jeffrey. But you know if you look at it, Brian Edwards and Tyson Williams went over hundred yards receiving on the day. Shaw Smith had eighty two and then you had ten plus from four other guys that you don't usually see that. A lot of think the receivers as a whole and you know, especially running the using the backside of the backfield with Tyson and with um, I was with Tyson and uh, I'm losing my train. Tyson and Mont Denson, they both had very good games. But uh, overall, I mean, just I would say a stellar game from my receiving core. Yeah, and a big tip of the cap too to Josh Van, first career touchdown. Uh, what was a really, really great play by both Jake Bentley and Josh Van. Jake Bentley obviously saw the uh, the offside penalty, was able to take advantage of it through one of the back of the end zone. Josh Van. Uh, snags out there. Great throw, by the way, Bentley. Good catch, but it was a great throw. But yeah, Josh Van able to get in the action. I mean, obviously, like I said, the catch that uh, the catch and run that Brian Edwards has is, I mean, it will, one of the best plays you'll ever see. And I think a play that will most likely live on in Gamecock lore um, for a long time. But you look at just some of the numbers here, some of the, the averages. Um, Brian Edwards, four catches, 27.3 average. Tyson Williams, Three catches, 35-yard average. Shai Smith, three, 27.3. A.J. Turner, 121. I mean, it just everybody contributing, like you're saying, across the board. Jake Bentley being able to distribute the football, especially on his check downs of Tyson Williams. I think his first ever game over 100 receiving yards for Tyson. So, um, again, the passing attack was definitely working. I uh, want to talk about the running attack as well, because like you mentioned, a guy, Mon Denson, had a fantastic day on the ground, led the Gamecocks, in rushing, I, I don't know, Tom. I, I don't. I wish there was a prop bet out there that I could have bet that Mon Denson would have led South Carolina in rushing because I bet you could have got really good odds on that, seeing as he was sitting, I think, what fourth on the depth chart coming in that game. Yeah, um, fourth on the depth chart, but has twelve carries, hundred two yards, breaks the long one for seventy that really flipped the momentum and kept South Carolina in the game and kept the momentum going for them to win that game. 
Um, obviously, South Carolina's backfield was depleted by injury somewhat, especially for Rico, Rico Dowdle. Rico Dowdle. Rico Dowdle only had one rush, um, and that's one thing I want to talk about too, Tom, the turf on Saturday. Have you ever seen turf that bad? I mean, it was, was it – and coming from a football guy, was it the turf that was causing the injuries? Is, are, are people playing into that too much, or it, was it did it have something to do with it? I mean, obviously, if it's a very bad turf, twisted ankles and nicking yourself up like that is very easily. But I think, it, you know, it, it probably did contribute to it. How much, though? I mean, we don't really know. We weren't actually playing on the field with the, with the turf, with actually having to play on the field. Yeah, I, dude, there, there were just so many gross tackles in that game. There were so many tackles in that game where you, I had to wait to see if the guy got up. I mean, it just – even when the guys weren't getting injured, it was just like, ooh, like it was hard to watch some of the hits out there. But um, anyways, just getting back to the run game. I mean, Tom, crazy to see what we saw again. Just testament to the depth at running back with Mon- when Mon Denson's able to lead you, um, lead you in rushing on the day. You know, A.J. Turner gets his first touchdown of the season. Uh, Tyson Williams gets a touchdown. Talk about just what you saw from the rushing attack as a whole, because obviously it hasn't exactly been a strength for South Carolina this season, but I think you saw some good things on Saturday. Well, I think it was a real shame that Tyson Williams got hurt because he was making dudes miss left and right. It seemed like yeah. when we were playing against Ole Miss, and maybe that contributes to Ole Miss's poor defense, and maybe it doesn't. But uh, obviously, Mon st- step, st- uh, stood in and for Tyson being hurt and Rico being hurt and had a really good game. I mean, that 70-yard run, it seemed like he actually just actually hit the gas out of nowhere and turned it upfield yeah. on them. But overall, I think a good game. I think when Jake Billing can get 100 or so yards or more out of his running backs, he's going to be able to win ball games for you. I mean, that's almost any quarterback, though. But I think when Jake can get that out of his running backs around the 150 mark, he's going to have a good game. Yeah, no, that that was a beastly run by Mon Denson. He, he straight up put a dude in the ground. And you're right. Tyson Williams was straight putting guys on skates out there. I mean, that – it was on a reception, I remember. But it was one specifically where I, you might remember this. He he was on the right, I think, the right sideline, or if you're watching from the TV angle, he was on the far sideline, and he put a little stutter step on the guy on the sideline. The dude just crumbled. I mean, it was a move. <laughs> you haven't seen it. It's definitely on YouTube. You go check it out. But he put an absolute move. Was putting guys on skates, like I said. But um, overall, again, a great offensive day. I think that's going to go a long way in the, if nothing else, the confidence of this team. Because obviously, like we said, Tom. Ole Miss is no juggernaut by any means, but I just think when you're able to have a game like this, I mean, I said it on my personal Twitter account. Who would have ever thought a South, a Will, Musch, Will Muschamp-led South Carolina team would win a 48-44 to shootout on the road in the SEC? I mean, I just count me as one that didn't see that headline coming. But you got to think, obviously, this, this offense has – it came into the season with a lot of hype, similar to last year, but came into the season with a lot of hype. Obviously, some questions with Brian McClendon calling plays. I think McClendon and Dan Warner have done a fantastic job with the play calling. But you just got to think, Tom, that I think we really saw the, you know, granted you given the opponent, but we saw the potential of what this offense can really do and what they can be and just really how explosive they can be going forward. No, I definitely agree. I think that was probably Brian McClendon's best game as a play caller, and I think that – you, you use that game as a confidence booster. It gives you that confidence going into Florida that, hey, we can put up points against people, especially with Missouri, you know, I would say throttling Florida last week and a team oh, yeah. that you beat with, a, I would say, a backup quarterback who has never seen a snap in his life that mattered up until that game. But overall, I think you ha- you you know, you had the confidence in the world in Jake Billy and that in Brian McClendon calling plays for next week against Florida. Absolutely. And one reason you may have to score over 30 or who knows, under over 40 against Florida – 
is the defense. Um, it's, you know, where there's good, there's bad, and the bad comes from the South Carolina defense, at least for the first three quarters. Gamecocks were, I mean, let's just face it, were thoroughly gashed, gave up 600 yards through three quarters, only gave up 19 yards on 18 plays in the final quarter of play, shut out Ole Miss, which obviously went a long way to South Carolina getting the win. Gamecocks were down 10 going to the fourth quarter, come back from double digits for the third time in four games, or for the fourth straight game and get the win for the third time in four games. Um, but defensively, Tom, obviously there are a ton of questions, and it obviously stems, I think, beginning from a ton of injuries in the secondary with guys like Jamias Williams and Javon Charleston now being out for the season. JT Ebay and Nick Harvey have just not played roles you thought they would. They've been in concussion protocol for what, what feels like the last month. Um, and you're having to put a lot of young guys out there like R.J. Roderick, Israel Mukwamu, you know, J.C. Horn, guys with a lot of talent, but a lot of youngsters. I think Will Muschamp said that was the first time he's ever had four true freshmen playing all at once in the secondary. I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about. Um, but, you know, Tom, overall with the defense, I mean, obviously South Carolina stepped up when they needed to, but there are some definite holes on this defense that South Carolina needs to address and they need to address quickly. Yeah, I mean, obviously we didn't have our best game, but when it mattered, they, they they came to the occasion. They rose to the occasion. The defense stood up. And I think a lot of that maybe has to do with playing press man coverage and letting your corners go by people and not giving such a big cushion. And I don't. I think the reason that maybe they don't do that all game is because we don't have the cornerback depth to let those guys get gassed and have backups come in. And especially now with so many guys being out, I don't think that the depth is there to do that all game. But maybe South Carolina more, you know, third down situations and when you need to get off the field can turn it up on the other teams and get off the field and, Maybe that's something they need to use going forward. But um, overall, I think there obviously are holes. But if the true freshmen are going to step up like they did Saturday against Missouri, then, you know, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I mean, it, the defensive game plan, like, I understood it. And, you know, obviously Will Muschamp was asked about it today in his presser, um, just talking about, you know, sort of that defensive game plan on Saturday. Why did they go man-to-man so late? And he made it really sound like they, they just don't have the bodies right now to go man-to-man all game long because it's it's – It'll gas you, you know what I mean, if you don't have depth. But, you know, in the first half, and we've had a lot of questions again come to us about this, but the first half, you're giving guys 10-yard cushions. I mean, the thing that really, again, blew my mind is that you've got a couple times in the first half, you got third and seven, or excuse me, third and ten, like fourth and seven, I remember specifically, and you're giving A.J. Brown the seven-yard cushion at least. I mean, there were definitely some questionable calls, I think, in coverage. I I think the reason is they were scared to get beat one-on-one. And I obviously understand that with the playmakers that Ole Miss has on the outside. And they got some dudes that can just make plays and they're going to be playing on Sundays. I mean, they've got a couple of first-round first round picks on their team, on their offense specifically. But I don't know. I just think in that scenario, like, you've got a challenge. I mean, obviously we saw the effects of South Carolina not getting a fantastic pass rush early. Um, Jordan Tomoon, let's give him credit. He's a really good player and they have a really good offense. But – I mean, he picked South Carolina apart. Scotty Phillips was running for about five yards a pop. And, you know, Tom, I, I you know, I, I'm not necessarily worried about the defense just specifically because I don't think besides Clemson, I guess you could say, they're not going to see another offense with the type of high-flying, high power that Ole Miss has got. I mean, you think of Florida this weekend. Again, we're going to get to it. But you think of Florida, I mean, it's going to be nothing like what you saw at Ole Miss. And so um, I'm not so much necessarily concerned moving forward, but, again, I think what Saturday showed is that South Carolina's got a long way to go, especially uh, especially on the recruiting trail when it comes to defensive talent. Well, no, I mean, I definitely agree. I think that 
when you look at you look you lose a guy like DJ Daniel today, and that hurts for South Carolina's defensive backs overall. But you have a guy like JC Horn who's been improving every game and getting better, and Israel Mukwamu's guy who's going to have to step in and play some more. And I think something that Muschamp said in his press conference is that Rashad Fenton might end up getting moved to safety sometimes and letting Mukwamu and Horn and Nixon in play all play all corner positions in the nickel. But overall, I'm I'm just not very concerned about going the defense going into the Florida game. Like you said, we're not the Ole Miss's offense is. I would say 10 times what Florida's offense is at this point. And if we can muster somewhat of the offense we had, South Carolina had against Missouri, Ole Miss into going into the Florida game, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, and you've still got DJ Wanham, which is good news. Obviously, Javon Kinlaw had a really good game. Shamik Blackshear with a big stop. Ricky Sanders gets his first, uh, first sack of his career, which is awesome to see. I really tell you defensively, Tom, I thought really the big difference on Saturday – and in that final quarter was some of the shots that Jordan Tamu took. I mean, I think specifically to – I know there was one that Kingsley and Ignarbe – Enigbare had, excuse me. Um, there was one that he had that was called uh, roughing the passer or what have you, um, which questionable. I mean, but I, I think it was probably the right call. But the one hit that I can remember that I really think of and think that that had a real effect on Jordan Tamu was the Ricky Sandage sack where T.J. Brunson met him as well. I mean – he popped him. I mean, there's just no other way. He, he hit the shit out of him. Um, and it really liked me from that, that point on. Jordan Tamu just was not the same player, whether he was timid or he wasn't all there up top or he was just shook. But I think eventually when South Carolina was able to get to, get to Tamu and kind of wear him down, and uh, those hits started to take a toll, in my opinion, for sure. So huge, huge piece there. But I agree with you. I'm not too, too concerned, about, you know, about the defense moving ahead because they won't face that big of a juggernaut. But the lack of depth is just something that is so, so glaring right now. And South Carolina still got some issues at, you know, the edge spots, the linebackings, the linebackers for sure. And then just the youth and the experience in the secondary being even more of a glaring issue than we imagined. But it'll be interesting to see how that all develops. Um, Debo Samuel made an appearance on Saturday, takes the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. I'm almost mad at myself that we didn't start with this since that was the beginning of the game, which I think, Tom, might have been one of the biggest plays of that game on Saturday. I mean, we, we talked and preached about it, how South Carolina needed to go, get off to a better start. They needed to get off to a fast start. And what better way to do it, man, than Debo Samuel taking the opening kickoff back 90 yards for a touchdown. Just so great to see him get involved on special teams again. And you know, Tom, again, I think it went a long way in South Carolina winning that game. It was one of the biggest plays of the game by far. I mean, I definitely agree. Obviously, you have a quick start there. And without those seven points, maybe South Carolina doesn't score a touchdown that drive and they get a field goal instead. And, you know, you lose the game maybe. But um, as far as special teams goes, man, Ole Miss's kick, kicker has some freaking wheels. Don't be running stride for stride with yeah. Debo Samuel. Oh, yeah. Run him down, if not for tripping up could have made that tackle unless Debo has just lost a step and that would made it extremely obvious. But overall, the special teams play really well. Keyson Nixon has some great tackles and punt coverage this week. Obviously we love to hate on him, but he did really well there. Having that extra phase of the game work out really well for you and with Debo Samuel and then kickoff return for the touchdown changes the ball game. It gets Ole Miss down early more than they anticipated. It gets in their heads, makes them think it's going to be a hard game for them all all night long. And it really was. It was a very difficult game for them. So I am not pulling that victory, but that contributed. The Debo Samuel's kick return touchdown had so much impact for us. Yeah, and, you know, he had the obviously the one for the touchdown, but he also had the other one where he returned about 40 yards in the Ole Miss territory. Um, and then I think that followed up with the Mon Denson run. So, yeah, he was a huge player in special teams. Just 
special teams, just from a momentum perspective, is just so big. And like you said, we gave a shout-out on social media on Saturday, obviously, but Keyshawn Nixon all over the field in special teams. Um, I mean, South Carolina's punt coverage was phenomenal, and Keyshawn Nixon felt like he was the first guy down there every single time. So great to see there as well. But, yeah, special teams, I'm just so glad making an impact again. Before we get off special teams, I just want to give a quick shout-out and a quick nod to uh, Parker White that just continues to knock down field goals. I think he's third – I think I read he's third in the country in field goal percentage, which is another thing that if you bet on me before the season, that would happen. I would have bet against you with a lot of money, and I would be broke right now. So I mean, he's missed one, and I don't think he's missed an extra point all year. Like, how better can you knock, get? Knock on wood. You definitely knock on wood we go into this week yeah but uh but no yeah he's been absolutely money he's been uh, just a huge it's been great to see his turnaround from last season this season but overall I mean South Carolina very very good in many facets on Saturday obviously defensively uh not so good but that was just the type of game that was going to be and I mean that's why the over under was set at 67 and that's why people were calling for a high scoring game because Ole Miss Ole Miss does that. It's not like South Carolina is the only team they've done that to. Like, they can score. I mean, that, that's that's the one thing I want to advocate about the South Carolina defense is that Ole Miss can score. And, you know, it, it just that, – that game from the very beginning felt like, okay, team with the ball last wins. But just an absolutely gutsy performance, man. I mean, Will Muschamp talked about This might be one of the most gutsy teams I've seen from South Carolina in a while, to be honest. Just the way that, you know, it's obviously frustrating when they get down. They get down early. They get down late. But they never keep fighting. Or they, they keep fighting. They never quit. Um, they continue to fight, and, you know, they find a way. And, I mean, it's kind of that win-anyway mentality that, you know, has been around many great successful South Carolina programs over the past. And, you know, I'm not sure when I heard it or I think someone said over the offseason maybe, but, you know, South Carolina's never been successful at anything unless they were tough, mentally tough, physically tough. And I can honestly say I think this team is tough. This, This is a tough football team. So, a lot to get into. But um, going to get into our, some of our biggest takeaways from the game Saturday. Tom, what's your biggest takeaway from the win? Uh, my biggest takeaway has to be that I would just go with it. Jake Bentley plays well when they get out to a fast start. I mean, if you look at it, Debo gets our return for a touchdown. It keeps him on the sidelines for a little, little longer. Keeps his head maybe checked in a little bit more to the game. Maybe it just helps him in the offense as a whole when that happens, when they have a big play or something like that. Maybe they need a big play to start off the game. That way – you know, the motions already get out of you and you start playing level-headedly because I feel like the entire game he just played so well and, you know, made the right throw and, you know, ran when he had to and did the right things this game. Maybe a lot of it was, you know, Ole Miss not having a very good defense. But overall, just when we got to a fast start, we're going to end up either beating people or being in those games. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Yeah, I want to give all the credit to Jake Bentley, too, like you said. I mean, just he had an, he had an awesome game. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. I mean, he was – he was on the money. He's, he is what South Carolina fans expected from their junior signal caller in his third season. I mean, that's just what you expect, expected. But, you know, it's so funny how the narrative changes because many people are saying, well, is Helensky going to start next year? But, I mean, I'll just say if Jake Bentley can continue to improve, and obviously I've been one of his biggest critics, but if he can continue to be improved, maybe his progression just came a little bit later than we all expected. So, you never know. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, my biggest takeaway from Saturday, Tom – South Carolina is very, very deep at running back. <laughs> when you got a guy like Mon Denson breaking off runs like he is, I mean, I bet Ole Miss had to just feel like, when is this going to end? I mean, I, South Carolina is championship caliber deep at running back. I mean, there aren't many teams that can go four deep at any position and 
I don't want to say have no drop off because there's a reason the guy that's starting is starting and the guy that's the fourth string is the fourth string. But I mean, Mon Denson was a pretty he's pretty serviceable, I would say. I mean, we're we're championship deep and all of our running backs are like B like I would say a yeah. B grade to B minus right. and it's all like the same thing. None of none of it drops off at all. Yeah. But I'm saying like if you're the old miss defense, you're just like, man, how many dudes do they have? Like how many dudes are going to come out here? But, yeah, South Carolina extremely deep at running back. If they can ever get that deep at safety or defensive back, I will feel very, very good. Um, <laughs> or get experience depth, I mean. Um, all right, we're going to give out some game balls. I'll go ahead and start. I was just talking about him on offense. I'm going to give it to Mon Denson. Um, just a guy, you know, the great thing you have to respect about it, Tom, is that he's a guy that you've never really – he's never really been in the news for obviously anything bad, but – He's never complained about his role on the team. He's never, you know, whined and moaned about why he wasn't getting the ball. And he continues to stay ready, be a good teammate. When he gets his chance, all he does is break off a 69-yard run. Nice. Had 12 carries for 102 yards. It's a shame he didn't get in the end zone, honestly. He almost got in the end zone that long run. I'm sure his teammates gave him hell for that. But um, he just, just an absolutely fantastic game for him. And then on defense for me is linebacker T.J. Brunson. Um, you know, leads the team in tackles again. I've got the overall number right here, but he was all over the field for South Carolina. Yeah, 15 total tackles, one and a half sacks. I mean, he was all over the field. He's, again, he's really filling into that role, that 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 absence that Sky Moore left. He's kind of becoming that guy that we really hoped and expected that he could be for South Carolina on defense this season. So, Tom, who you, who your uh, game ball is going to? Well, offensively, I'm going to go with Brian Edwards. You know, four catches for 109 yards, had that one – Basically, you got Moss catch. And I could be wrong on this, but did Rob Gregory trick the state and, like, Gamecock Central into thinking that so, Randy Moss actually put him on Moss, put Ryan Edwards on Moss? So, not intentionally. He made the video as an edit. But the I think the audio fits so well that it, it – you know, and the graphic was – I mean, kudos to Rob. The, the graphic was so well done that, I mean, it's it's honestly hard to tell. You can't really tell other than he said that – this isn't real. And I also, you know, was thinking when he put it out, I'm like, I don't think this happens till Monday night football. And he put it out on Sunday. But, yeah, he, the, the state and whoever else got flat out duped because they wrote in it. As I, as I tweeted to Rob, they wrote a whole ass article about it and did not realize it was fake. So that's, I mean, it's hilarious. To that's me a that bad day. Was- that, that's a bad day at the office. You write this whole article. And the thing that was funny, in the article, it actually had Randy Moss, like, quoted like from that video and it's like that's not even a real thing like just not a good day at the office and they say we don't do our research but um anyway uh offensively brian edwards defensively i'm gonna go rj roderick true freshman is playing out of his mind in my opinion i think that for a guy that's never played defensive back in his career except for certain situations at Kane bay high school was an option quarterback can just come in and start safety at the sec level and get 13 tackles in the SEC game and play. I mean, I would say really well. Obviously, he's going to look lost at times. There were times against Ole Miss in which he did look lost. But he's, I would say, similar to DJ Swearinger and is just an absolute physical safety who's going to come downfield and make tackles and something we needed, especially with Steven Montag not playing that well, even though that's my guy. Steven Montag is my guy. Hasn't been playing that great. Rachu has come in and played better than I think anyone really could have expected. Yeah, Steven Montag's so weird, man. He's just so inconsistent. He'll, he'll have one play where – you know, he uh, looks all world, have one play where he just whiffs a tackle or gets dragged 25 yards down the field. <laughs> I don't know. It's just – it's funny. 
Um, you know, one thing before we leave all, because we're about to jump into Florida, but Jalen Dickerson gets some action on Saturday. Obviously, forced, forced into action. Literally his first play whiffs on a tackle. Um, but he, he had a good game overall. I'm not sure, Tom, if you were watching live or heard the audio where they said that he was a former five-star recruit and were, like, hyping him up. And it's like, this is that's not the right guy. You, it's, no, it's not right. He, yeah, he's just a five-star recruit that's been sitting on the bench for two years that hasn't gotten in the game yet. But that was pretty funny. Um, and I feel like we should give an honorary game ball to the training staff or the uh, – I whatever, the yeah, the training staff, whoever is taking care of our players as far as the injuries because they had a busy day on Saturday. So, pre- appreciate you guys for sure. Um, but like I said, it's Florida week. South Carolina heads down to Gainesville to take on the Gators. Uh, noon kickoff again on the SEC Network down at Ben Hill Griffith Stadium. Gators are open as a seven-point favorite. Florida sits right now as a six-and-a-half-point favorite over-under sitting at 54. Overall, Tom, it's been pretty much, I don't want to say domination, but Florida leads the series 26-9-3. and Obviously, Gamecocks have had more recent success or had some more recent success than they had at all. But um, some interesting tidbits, because obviously South Carolina beat Florida last year 28-20 to in Columbia. We all remember that game. Um, but South Carolina has not beat the Gators back-to-back since 1936 to 1939, so none of us were alive then. Uh, and they've only won twice in Gainesville all time in their history. 2010, which was the memorable game, which Steven Garcia trucked, trucked the dude from Florida. Gamecocks going to Atlanta. And then 2014, which is also memorable, um, Dylan Thompson runs in in overtime for the touchdown. And, you know, very funny about that one in 2014, Tom. That's the game that got Will Muschamp fired at Florida. So, Kind of ironic, to be honest with you. But uh, so really, yeah. well, Muschamp should be thanking us for getting him fired. Right. For I mean, so pretty he- much, yeah, pretty much. So, uh, Gators coming this one six and three, four and three overall. But obviously, uh, like you mentioned, they got absolutely torched by Missouri last week. I think the score what thirty eight to seventeen or something like that. Uh, Florida coming in. It's funny because two weeks ago they're a top ten football team. They're facing the Georgia Bulldogs and the world's largest outdoor cocktail party for, you know, they're thinking they're back. They're going to run the East. And like I said, Georgia really just disposes of them. And then Missouri on their home field uh, did what they did to them last week. Um, I know you talked to Jackson, Tom, but just talk about the Florida Gators team. Obviously they come in this again with much, much different feelings about themselves than two weeks ago in the Gamecocks on a two game winning streak. I- I'm really intrigued to see, just how Uncle Mo, how that momentum plays into the game on Saturday. Well, I mean, you go from beating LSU, one of the, I would say, perennial top five teams in the country right now, to losing to Georgia and Jacksonville. And obviously, I think they were in that game for a long time. And maybe, I don't know about one at that game. I feel like the score could have been a lot closer. But then you, you, you get absolutely throttled by Missouri at home. And I don't really think there's anything you can say for that game specifically. But, I mean, overall, I think that, we talk about Uncle Mo a lot here, and I would say the momentum is on South Carolina's side for a victory here. But, hey, anything that happened, Felipe Franks would come out and throw a 70-yard bomb in the first play for a touchdown and Florida go up 7 nothing and never look back. Not saying that's going to happen or I won't let it happen. I'm just saying in football, anything's possible. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I'm taking a look at the AP poll. Uh, yeah, okay, so Florida was 11th last week, or they 13th, I believe, in the AP. They dropped to 19th uh, this week again after Missouri just took them apart. Um, Drew Locke, and I'm not sure if you saw the comments Drew Locke had today, but very, very funny what he said about the uh, the Florida defensive end that basically trashed their stadium for how quiet he was. He said, yeah, we left theirs pretty quiet too. So pretty funny stuff. But, yeah, 
obviously one of the big, you know, question marks for Florida specifically going in this game is their quarterback situation. Felipe Franks is going through sort of what, God, I would say Jake Bentley went through a couple weeks ago, but probably worse. I would not put Felipe Franks on the level of Jake Bentley. Um, but a lot of Gator fans are obviously very, very upset, not happy calling for the backups. Uh, they've got Kyle Trask. Uh, and I believe – is Emory Jones still there? I, I'm not 100% sure. I know Kyle Trask He's is there. want to get in. Um, Kyle Trask is the backup for Flippe Franks, and Emory Jones is still there. But the, I think the, the consensus is they're trying not to burn Emory Jones' red gotcha. shirt unless all hell breaks loose. Okay. Well, Dan Mullen just basically said that he's – it sounds like they're going to play two quarterbacks almost for sure. Said they may even play three, which I would find so hard to believe because I – I don't feel like it's very often you play three quarterbacks and win a football game. Um, but, you know, Tom, it's just so, so, again, so interesting from what we saw a couple of weeks ago to now that Florida is the one with the quarterback turmoil and South Carolina comes in this one feeling really, really, really good about its quarterback. No, I mean, it's definitely a turn of events for, for once in our lives. It seems like South Carolina, or at least since Dylan Thompson has left, that we felt really confident about the – South Carolina quarterback going into a game against Florida. I mean, how many times have we said that in our lives? I mean, last year I think Bentley, you know, was on kind of a, a, a poor streak. He wasn't playing that well going into that game. I think he threw three picks last year against Florida, but still won the ball game. But it is weird to see how Florida, since really Tebow hasn't had a very successful quarterback, at least ever extended a period of time. And South Carolina really has done decent at that position. I think that it's it's definitely a confidence booster for South Carolina to have Billy back there compared to having Franks and not knowing if Kyle Trash is going to come in or even if they throw in Emory Jones. I mean, it's very it's very nice for South Carolina to have that, I would say, uh, blessing for Jake Billy to be our quarterback this week. Yeah, no, 100%. I think, you know, it, just starting with offense, it's, it's definitely going to be more of a challenge than it was last week. Obviously, Florida is uh, – a top-notch level defense. I wouldn't say they're a juggernaut by any means, but they're a much better defense than Ole Miss was, um, and they force a lot of turnovers. So that, that, that to me, is going to be very, very interesting because I think South Carolina is going to have to win the turnover margin to win this football game. You go on the road in the SEC, that's a vital part. And I'm just really intrigued to see, can the offense, again, we talked about it a little bit earlier, can they keep the momentum from what we saw in Oxford? Because South Carolina was able to build a ton of momentum. I mean, anytime you play to that level um, – you're going to come in, you know, you're going to come in with, like you said, Uncle Mo on your side. You're going to come in with some good juju and a lot of good feelings about yourself. So I think one of the big keys for sure is that South Carolina keeps that momentum on Saturday and continue to play well offensively. Uh, on defense, obviously, um, it really is going to benefit South Carolina just facing a team that's not nothing like Ole Miss. I mean, granted, Florida's got some playmakers on the outside and Van Jefferson, Tyree Cleveland. Um, they've got Jordan Scarlett at the running back position, who's a solid piece. So I think that's going to be a big key match at the watch. How does South going to contain him? But, you know, Tom, I have to think coming in this game, if you're Florida, you're, you're trying to run the football because obviously your quarterbacks have been abysmal. The fan base is about to turn on you. Uh, they had, you know, one of their lowest uh, attendances for homecoming last week. I think it was 80,000. Pretty sure that stadium seats like over 92,000, but um you know, I just think, Tom, it's going to be really key that South Carolina stop the running game on Saturday because I have to think, especially early, if they can get some success doing that, that's what they're going to lean on throughout the game. I mean, I definitely agree. That's something that you'll hear in the interview a lot as we talk about the running game. But um, overall, it seems like in every almost in every football game you watch, everything depends on which team can run the ball more. Unless you're 
Washington State or Texas Tech back in the day, and you're just a gunslinging offense that throws the absolute crap out of it. And South Carolina and Florida, neither are those kind of teams. So I think really this game depends on who runs the ball better and overall who can control the line of scrimmage is a big factor for this game. But I, I definitely do do think that running the ball is a factor either way for this ball game. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And, I mean, I, I definitely think line of scrimmage in this one's huge. I mean, you look at Florida – defensively and they've got a couple guys seven sacks four and a half sacks four sacks three sacks um taking a look here they've got 23 sacks as a team that's that's pretty good I mean that's a that's a pretty good number and like I said they got one guy with seven so Florida can get to the quarterback Florida can stop the run you know obviously they're not a juggernaut per se they're not Kentucky they're not Georgia they're not Alabama but Florida's a much much stiffer defensive test than uh that Ole Miss was I would feel confident in saying uh, the Gamecocks offensive line, who we didn't talk probably enough about, you know, from the old Miss game, continue to play well. And I think Tom, again, is going to be a huge, huge piece this game on Saturday. Because if you look at the two guys that lead Florida in sacks, uh, Ja'Kai Polite has the seven sacks. And then uh, Jabari Zaniga has four and a half. Uh, and I know Ja'Kai Polite is definitely an interior guy. Uh, and then Jabari comes off the edge, obviously. But just the offensive line, uh, continue like you're like you were saying. Continue to run the football. Get the running backs going. Obviously, you're going to be a little bit depleted. They're not sure if Rico's going to be able to go. I'm going to say he probably won't be able to go. Um, Tyson Williams is going to go, but he's in a, a hand cast. I don't know how he's going to carry the football. So you're really leaning on AJ Turner and Mon Denson. And I'm, like I said, that, not to knock those guys at all because they're they're very capable players, but they need holes to run through. I don't think they're guys that are going to make something just com- out of completely nothing. So the play of the offensive line Saturday to me. Um, is going to be something huge to watch and going to be something big and going in, in dis- determining who wins this football game on Saturday. No, I definitely agree. I think that South Carolina's offense line has played well all year, and it's definitely going to have to play extremely well against Florida if you consider that I would say your best two running backs, Enrico Dado and Tyson Williams, are out. You're going to have to make those holes and make sure that we can get the run game going to have a successful game. And even – keeping Jake Bentley up. Like you said, Florida has a bunch of different pass rushers that have been doing really well this year so far. Got to keep Jake Bentley up on up off his back and got to let the running backs hit those holes and give them and give them the, the right creases to hit and let Jake Bentley stay upright and um, just have time to throw the ball. Yeah, because, I mean, I, you have to think if Jake Bentley has time to throw the ball, I mean, we, we saw what Drew Locke did to that Florida secondary. Uh, I would put South Carolina's wide receivers – at least equal with Mizzou, if not much, much above. I would put them much, much above. Um, you got guys like Debo Samuel, Brian Edwards, Shy Smith, that I think could make a ton of plays for you on Saturday afternoon if you can just give Jake Bentley some time. And, you know, you have to think all he's going to do is build off that momentum and just keep getting better. I mean, that, that's what you really hope to see. And, um, again, if, they, if the offensive line can keep him upright, um, I, I just think it's going to lead to a lot of good things for this offense especially. Um, one of the big things, you know, Tom, for me personally that I saw, obviously Florida opened up as a touchdown favorite, which, you know, they're still a ranked team. They're the home team, if you will. Um, but the Gators were a touchdown favorite over Missouri, lost that game by 21 points or so. Now they open this one as a touchdown favorite. Um, I wonder, you know, Tom, how much Vegas is taking into account and maybe people that are picking this game. Because I, I expect a lot of people to pick Florida to win. Um, but I wonder how much it plays into this game that South Carolina, you've only won twice in Gainesville. I mean, you have not had a ton of success there. Um, I understand you've actually won two of your last three trips – or excuse me, that's wrong. Uh, three of your last – what, three of your last five trips there. Um, 
but you know, it, you obviously have not had really any any of any success there at all, any sustained success. And I just wonder how much that will play into this weekend, if at all, for South Carolina. Do you think mentally they have that in their heads at all? Uh, I mean, I would say a little bit. I think that I've seen multiple tweets saying how good Dan Dan Mullen is off of losses. I think I can't remember who specifically it was against when he was at. Um, Mississippi State, but Flucky won two games big back-to-back and then lost to some, not FCS program, but some, some uh, I would say, basement FBS program. But I, I think they're going to be ready to play. I think it's going to be a tough game regardless of, you know, what happened in the game before. I think the South Carolina's going to come out and be ready to play. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I, I think South Carolina's going to get Florida's best shot Saturday. I mean, like you're yeah. saying, they, the this last isn't a game – This but, isn't a game they can just walk into and win. It's not a game like you can just say – we can we can play around for a while, basically, and just pull out in the fourth quarter. Now you're not going to pee for four quarters. Let me ask you this: You know, with the with the problems on the defensive side of the ball and the lack of depth, I know Florida's got a ton of issues on offense. But does South Carolina have to score thirty or more to win in your mind? Uh, I mean, I would say no, considering how I wouldn't say bad Florida's offense is playing. But you know, if they can't put up, if they can only put up 17 points on Missouri and I would say our defense is of equal caliber if not better than Missouri's defense then I would feel pretty good about our chances to win a game something like 27-20 I'm not saying it's from prediction but I could I would say yeah no it, it's it's so funny because I call up the same guys that I think need to have a big game every weekend but man a guy like TJ Brunson needs to play well Saturday I mean you're going up against again Jordan Scarlett, and I really just think if you're Florida, you have to come out early and try to run the football. I mean, I just don't see a scenario in which you're going to say, you know what, we're going to go out there, sling it all over the yard. We've had quarterback problems, but you know what, we're just going to throw it around anyways. I I just can't see a scenario because it feels like a scenario to me where almost similar to South Carolina against Texas A&M where, you know, if 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 Felipe Franks goes out there in the opening drive and throws a pick, that you're going to hear the boo birds as loud as you can hear. I mean, I – I heard he was getting booed last weekend at the Missouri game. Um, so it's going to be really, really interesting to watch. But, yeah, I just think guys like DJ or TJ Brunson, DJ Wanham on the defensive side as well, getting whoever's at quarterback, giving them hell all day long um, is going to be a big thing. And then, well, South Carolina finally – I know they got a turnover last weekend against Ole Miss with the – or they were fortunate enough really to get it with DJ Wanham recovering the fumble. But will this be the game we finally see the defense really just sort of break out? Um, and force a couple turnovers, you know, have that be the difference in the game. You know, obviously J.C. Horn almost had a pick last week, really, really close to his first one. But I'm just really interested to see if they can just kind of have that breakout game, if you will. Well, I I mean, it definitely will be the game to have it in. I think Florida's going to be tough competition. But something that Jackson highlights a lot is how, you know, if Felipe Franks doesn't get to a hot start, he's just, you know, watched the entire game. And I think that that's something that maybe you get a ball for Franks early and, go up 14 nothing, then basically just can take control of the rest of the game is something that if South Carolina does that, then about an easy victory, but that would be one of the, the best ways and the easiest way for us to be successful this game. I mean, heck, even if you get the – if you want to take the ball in the opening kickoff, if you can – I feel like if you can go down there and obviously if you get a touchdown, it's huge. But even if you just get points on the board and you put not so much Florida against their – against the – you know, put their backs against the wall, if you will, but just put that pressure on them. Because I just feel like with every single little mistake, Gator fans are going to be all over who is under center. So, it's going to be interesting to watch again. They've got weapons on the outside, but will they be able to get them to them? I mean, I think that's the big thing. I think if you're South Carolina, I think if you're South Carolina, you've got to be willing to play a lot of man on Saturday and bring some guys in the box and just dare 
dare Felipe Franks or dare whoever's back there to beat you. I mean, you you just have to. I can't see a scenario because the last thing you want to do is give Felipe Franks a couple of easy throws. He gets his confidence. I mean, the dude's got a good arm, obviously. He plays in the SEC. Um, he got a good arm. And the last thing you want to do, Tom, I feel like, is give him a couple easy throws to get him in a rhythm when it's just really unnecessary. No, I definitely agree. I think that um, something that we're going to have to do well this game is, I would say, A, put Felipe Franks on his back and, you know, just get some Uncle Mo on your side early. And, and I was just thinking, you know, you get an early lead in this game and put Florida down, then you're definitely going to be set up very easily to see. I'm not saying that South Carolina can't come back from, if they're down 10 or more points, but this will be a very tough environment to come down come down to the fourth quarter and you're down by 10 and have to make a comeback. It's not going to be like Ole Miss where maybe they have a 10-point lead, but – you know, against Ole Miss, you can score 10 points in three minutes. You know, Florida's going to be ready to play. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I definitely agree that a fast start in this one's big. Uh, you know, it, it, it should be a lot of fun to watch for sure. But we'll move into the key matchups, key matchups to watch. I'll go ahead and start with this one, Tom. Uh, my key matchup to watch, right tackle Dylan Wanham, the freshman, against defensive end Jabari Zaniga. Um, this was the guy, again, I talked about Jabari Zaniga. He's a defensive end, has four and a half sacks on the season. Obviously, Dylan Wanham has gotten a ton of playing time. I'm not saying he's going to be the only guy out there at right tackle on Saturday, but he's been getting the majority of the snaps. And for a young guy, like you're saying, going to the swamp his first ever time, uh, it's hard not to say – I don't want to say get starstruck, but being a little bit in awe, you know, you're in the swamp. This is a historic venue. And you're going up against a guy that's obviously very, very good at rushing the passer. Um so, Dylan Wanham, I'm really just excited to see the challenge that is presented to him because it's going to be a big challenge. And I think if he can pass it, obviously it's going to go a long way in South Carolina being able to put points on the board. Um, Tom, what's your key matchup to watch on Saturday? Um, it's going to be RDBs versus Felipe Franks. When you look at it, South Carolina has Jam Williams and Javon Charleston out for the year. I'm not sure if I have this right, but I'm pretty positive JT, JT Ibe and Nick Harvey are going to be out for this game. That's four safeties on scholarship that aren't going to be out there with South Carolina. It's, it's going to be a long game for our defensive backs. And I think that, you know, if you can play man, press man coverage on the majority of the game and make, flip it and make those hard throws and make can beat you, then that's the way South Carolina needs to lose by not playing 10 yards off the receivers and letting flip at Franks get easy completions to get, you know, some confidence going. I think you have to make him down himself early and not let him get comfortable at all whatsoever during the game. A lot of that depends on whether or not we get a defensive pass rush going. But um, overall, I'd say our DB versus flip at Franks is a very key matchup to watch. Yeah, no, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Um, we'll jump into kind of our biggest keys of the game. Tom, I'll let you start. What's your biggest key to the uh, to the Gamecocks getting the victory on Saturday? I think I've, this is probably the third or fourth week in a row I've said this, but it's get up early. <laughs> you know, score a touchdown early. Make, you know, get Uncle Mo on your side. Do the right things you have to do. I don't think – I think if South Carolina doesn't, you know, return either return that kickoff for a touchdown or score on that first drive against Ole Miss, then, you know, we might be seeing a different tune this week in that, you know, maybe we're coming off a loss to Ole Miss instead of a win. I think that – Getting up early and maybe, you know, not even getting up early, but getting a ball off Flip A. Franks early, doing the right things you're supposed to do, not making the mental mistakes like we've made against Texas A&M and catching passes and just, you know, basically having a mistakeless game is something that we're going to have to do to beat Florida. We can't make mistakes like we did against A&M and win this ball game. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. Uh, my biggest key to the game is simply, Tom, win the turnover margin. I, I just feel like this is the kind of game to me that's really going to hinge on that. Um, again, we all know what Florida's going through right now. They're, I don't want, I don't know if I want to say they're reeling, but they're not feeling very good about themselves. Like you, it kind of, it kind of goes with what you're saying about getting up early. If you can go out there, um, and force a, you know, quick turnover, a pick, a fumble, 
Um, and you can control the ball. You can obviously keep the ball on you and control the clock a little bit. Uh, it's just going to go a long way because I feel like if South Carolina can force a turnover, maybe two early turnovers, Florida's going to kind of get down on themselves, the here-we-go-again mentality. And I just, again, I think going to go a long way in who wins the football game is who wins the turnover margin because it's just, it's just not very often you go on the road in the SEC and lose a turnover margin and win. That, that's just not something that really happens, and uh, I don't think that'll be the case either on Saturday as well. So, all right, without further ado, Tom, let's get into our predictions. Who do you got winning the game on Saturday, Gamecocks or the Gators? Um, I'm going to go South Carolina 24-17. I think that our defense is one of those days that we've had, like last year so many times, where we get the ball through multiple times. I think that Rashad – I don't know about Rashad Fenton in specific, but maybe our DBs have a – have a game where our corners just play out of their minds. Maybe J.C. Horn gets a pick. Israel Mikulamu has his, like, coming out day, like J.C. Horn's already had, I would say. But, I would, you know, I just think that we're going to be able to take advantage of how Florida's playing so poorly on offense and maybe even win by more than a touchdown. You know, I'll be willing to say 27-17. I'm very – I don't want to say very confident that we can go get this win, but this, I, this is the best I've felt about going down to Florida in a while. All right. No, that's a good pick. I like that pick a lot. With me, you know, it's funny. I haven't really even thought about the prediction until now. Um, I, it's, I go back and forth on it because I think South Carolina's coming in here with so much momentum. Obviously, Florida has got some turmoil going on, especially quarterback. Um, you know, right now, though, I, I'm going to say the Gators pull it out 24-23. I, I just – you you've only won there twice in your history for a reason. You know, Florida's going to present a much greater challenge on defense. And, again, I obviously think it's going to be a very back-and-forth game. And uh, I just don't know. Something about this tells me that Florida's going to get the win. I don't know why. Um, I really don't know why. I, I don't feel like they've got the better team, per se. You know, and obviously the momentum is completely the opposite on both sides. And I don't know. I just, for some reason, feel like at home, Florida ekes it out by, by a point. I mean, I, that'd be an ins absolutely insane game. And obviously I would hate to lose in that fashion, but I, I just feel like for some reason that Florida, Florida is able to eke it out 24-23. So hopefully I am wrong. I would love to eat crow and I'd love to everybody tell me how wrong I am. So um, <laughs> please do that. Um, let's jump right into some listener questions, Tom. We've got a ton of them. Uh, let's see here. Go ahead and get into these. Yep, and like I said, we have a ton of them. Uh, Rhett, Rhett 1K asks, key impact players for the game against Florida. Tom, who are your key impact players? Uh, I'm going to have to say just I would, offensively, I'm going to go Jake Billing. I think he has to play a really good game for us to win. I mean, obviously, the quarterback position has to succeed for South Carolina to succeed, but I think he has another game. I wouldn't say on the level of Ole Miss, but I think he has a very good game this weekend. Defensively, I'm probably going to go – I'm gonna go J.C. Horn. I think he gets a ball off of Felipe Franks early, makes him make makes him want to go home and not come back. I would just assume that those two have to be successful for us to have a good game. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I like those. Uh, I'm gonna give you back to back questions because this is right up your alley. It's recruiting. Um, Alex underscore Constantino says, "Can we flip Jaden Hill from Florida?" Uh, no, he is pretty firm on Florida and he's doing recruiting for them. And this isn't a knock on him, but he tore his ACL this year during high, during his high school play. So basically South Carolina staff just backed off him. And now that they don't want him anymore with an injury like that, it's hard to take a guy that wasn't already committed to you. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think we'll get Jaden Hill either. Um, Lil dot Johnny Lil, or no, so Lil dot Johnny dot Lil. 
So that that's hard enough to read. Um, how is our secondary going to play with key players hurt? Um, play the guys you got. I mean, there a lot of young guys stepping up. I mean, you've had guys, you know, Will Muschamp said today that you could see Shai Smith back there defensive back, which I think would that be absolutely insane. I think for his speed-wise, he would do really well at it, but I think that'd be pretty crazy to see. Um, but all the guys, obviously, you've lost due to injury, and you got to replace them somehow. And obviously, you're going to have a ton of youngsters out there. Um, you know, you're going to have to have a ton of youngsters out there. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see who steps up. But I, I just think that core nucleus of young guys you have, and then uh, Jonathan Gibson might be a guy that makes the trip. Jalen Dickerson's a guy that's going to step in and play. Uh, McQuamu, J.C. Horn, Stephen Montak, and then um, – oh, who am I forgetting? Um, R.J. Roderick. R.J. Roderick. I mean, those are all guys that are going to contribute. You just have to pray you don't get any more injuries. I mean, that, that really, Tom, to me is a thing. You have to pray that everybody can stay healthy from this point on because you don't have a ton of leeway as far as guys that are available for you right now as far as depth is concerned. Um, and they also said, I forgot, Rashad Fenton can move back to safety as well. So it's just going to be a lot of plug and play and mix and match with those guys in the secondary. Um, and then I'll take the last question, B underscore Baker 19. What took so long to switch to man coverage, and should we stick to that plan against Florida? Um, yes, I think we should stick to that plan. I think the reason it took so long is that Will Muschamp was very self-aware of the matchups on the outside and did not, did not want to get beat big one-on-one. Um, however, I do agree that I think we need to stick to that. I, for one, I don't think Florida has the guys on the outside that Ole Miss does by any stretch of the imagination. And then also, I just think Florida is going to try to run the football first. You need to, South Carolina needs to challenge those guys to throw the football on them, plug the holes up, let the guys play man coverage. But I think the whole reason they didn't for three quarters against Ole Miss just simply because they were scared to get beat on the outside, which was obviously extremely frustrating to watch at times because that bend but don't break defense it always is. But you know, kudos again to the defense for stepping up in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's you don't want to take the positive away from it. They made the plays when it counted. So. Um, we do have a couple of listener questions from our voicemail. So if you haven't checked out our voicemail yet, please. Dude, I love these for some, like, I think these, yeah, are, these, these are the great. part of the show. Yeah, these, are, these are great. Um, so, yeah, we do have a couple I'm going to get into in just a second. Let me make sure I'm getting the right ones up. Yep, getting the right ones. Yep, for sure. Okay, so we've got four of these. So appreciate you guys leaving the voicemails. Please continue to do so. I'll, uh, I'll give you the guys a number right after this, but I post it every week on Twitter. Uh, on our Instagram account as well. Be sure to check it out. Uh, leave us a voicemail. We love hearing your thoughts. So we'll go ahead and get this call in. Um, if I can get it set up, I can never do this. <laughs> I'm hoping that, okay, you saw that review, right? You sent it to me, I think, with the girl who said the only reason I listen is because Chris and Tom are so hot. I want her to leave us a, uh, <laughs> what is it called, a voicemail, just to see what it would be like. You never know. I don't know, and I don't really want to know, I think, at this Bro, point. Maybe it's like our first fan, girl. Like, maybe we're finally stepping up in the world. Who knows? Who knows? You never know. All right, here we go. I think I've got this figured out. Uh, let's go ahead and get this one rolling. Hey, I wanted to call in. Uh, great win against Old Miss. Obviously, great win on offense. But on defense, I wanted to know what your thoughts were, uh, why they struggled so much. I, I know the air attack for Old Miss is, is really lethal, but – Allowing 44 points and 500 yards in the first half is is pretty incredible. So what, what your thoughts were on that and how we can improve going into a big game against a struggling Florida team? Thanks. Bye. Okay. So we literally just talked about this, but I just think continuing to play man on the defensive side and 
Uh, I expect Will Muschamp to have South Carolina ready to play as far as schematically is concerned. I mean, again, I don't want to say take it for a grain of salt like it doesn't matter, but Ole Miss is an explosive offense, and let's give them some credit. They've got some legitimate playmakers on the outside and Tom who at quarterback. But, you know, I don't know if you agree, Tom, but I, I just think, you know, even with depth issues, and they are issues I am extremely concerned about, the, the best news for South Carolina, you're not facing a juggernaut through the air this week, and that was probably the best thing that could have happened to South Carolina as far as who they're playing. No, I definitely agree. I think that Florida doesn't have the offense that Ole Miss has, and we're not going to face a team that does until we play Clemson. And I wouldn't even say – I'm not saying that Clemson's offense isn't on a level, but I would say explosiveness-wise, I don't think they're nearly the team that Ole Miss is. It's, I think Ole Miss is a very unique team. They're gonna, a team that we just knew was going to put up yards and points on us. But when we had to lock up and play defense, we did. And I think in the fourth quarter it showed that we could have locked them up a lot more in that game, but we wanted to save it all for the fourth quarter for some reason. Yeah, it must have been. So, we appreciate the question. Uh, here's our next question. Hello, my name is Michael. And my question was simply this. Why, did, why don't you think that Carolina didn't play any more man-to-man this past weekend? I know we had a lot of injuries in the secondary. Very similar but <laughs> I was reading what Will have said. He said that in the fourth quarter they kind of switched up to uh, man-to-man, and I saw that they did, and you saw what happened. We didn't really give up any points or a lot of yards in the fourth quarter. So my question was, why didn't they try that maybe in the first half or in the third quarter? Or why they, they why they just didn't try that throughout the game? Because me and my father was looking, we were trying to figure out, you know, why don't they just try man coverage for, for just one drive? Because obviously zone wasn't working. So I was just want to know, why do you think they um, – that they didn't try main coverage and would have would have been a big difference in the yardage or the score if we did play man coverage the whole game. All right. Thank you, Michael, for the question. I, I like the end of the question, Tom. What do you think? Do you think there would have been a big difference in the yardage and or the score of the game had South Carolina played man coverage all day long? Um, I mean, okay, I think the thing is with man coverage is obviously your defensive backs get a lot more tired if they sit there and play it all game because you're running around a lot more. And I don't think that they have the depth right now to do that. And I think South Carolina's coaches know that. I think that when you look at the fourth quarter, we played almost strictly man press covers and Ole Miss couldn't move the ball whatsoever. And I think if they'd have mixed it in some more, they probably could have ended up not letting Ole Miss get as many yards or as many points. But overall-wise, I think it was a smarter decision against Ole Miss considering that if you'd have been more gas going towards that fourth quarter and tried to play man, then you would have given up more big plays. And I think that South Carolina, you know, they, they just basically stops Ole Miss when they needed to. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, if it doesn't work, you're, all, you're, all more, you're on South Carolina's back more. But if it works, I mean, you can't really blame them much for the path they went with. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I just thought that was a really intriguing question. I, I don't really know how much difference it is, honestly, because Ole Miss was doing whatever they wanted for those first three quarters. I mean, I'm not sure being a man in those quarters would have made that big of a difference, but who knows? We'll never know. Um, all right, next question here. Man, what a game Saturday for Jake Bentley. Uh, you know, probably one of his better games uh, this season. No picks. Uh, but, you know, definitely the, the struggles on defense are my concern. About our secondary still the same lacking as it did last week. Uh, it just it looked kind of sad with that with that zone coverage. We looked like Madden. If you're playing Madden, uh, you put the defense on rookie and people are just running across, across the field on you. It was just sad. Uh, but uh, I just don't understand how you go from that 
in the first three quarters and go to fourth quarter and, you know, have amazing coverage. You know, you, you didn't really see an open wide receiver the whole quarter. So uh, I just want to know why these sort of things are happening. You know, all of a sudden we, we find great coverage. I mean, I just feel like our boys are being put in a position to make the plays. And, uh, you know, I definitely want to. Okay. There's that question. Um, Tom, you ever torture anybody on Madden like that? Um, have I ever torched anybody on Madden like that? Uh, probably, but I've gotten torched more times than I've I've given torches to people. I guess is how I should say that. But I mean, I think that's basically the same question we've been getting all day: is why didn't we play more press man coverage? And I think the overall answer to that question is we don't have the depth to play press man coverage the entire game and not get gassed in the fourth quarter and not be able to play defense. Yeah, I think there's a common theme for sure is that people are concerned with the defense. Um, and I can definitely respect why. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what happened happened. And, I, you know, all you can do is see what they can do this week. I mean, it's funny when you win that game. If you'd have lost that game, I think the entire narrative would just be South Carolina's defense is absolutely atrocious. But because you win, you're willing to overlook and, you know, just glance over some things that happen. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Again, I don't know how much of a difference the uh, – the man coverage would have made. I mean, obviously it made a huge difference in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just – I don't think at this point you have the bodies to play that type of coverage the entire game. So, we got one final voicemail. And, Tom, it is a really, really good one. So, I just want you to buckle up, all right? Okay. Armchair South Kakalaki, what's up, man? This is Brian Beatty. I called last week and I filled up your voicemail twice. Sorry about that. Way too long. I just got a lot of team spirit, you know what I mean? What's up, Spurs? Uh, but I'll make a quick. I got a question for you. I mean, obviously, I think we all were pretty pleased with Ole Miss game. But when people were talking about our schedule going forward, you know, they said we're playing for so many wins, and uh, it seems like everybody, maybe even you, are giving us a zero percent chance against Clemson. And I know it's not a high percentage game. I'm not trying to be that overconfident fan. But if Syracuse can get close, and granted they are a good team, but if Syracuse can get close. I don't see why we can't put up a good fighter, maybe even come away with an upset. I'm not giving us more than 15 to 25% chance. But if they feel like everybody else is giving them a 0% chance, what are your thoughts on that? And uh, do we have any shot at all? What's your percentage? Uh, can I take this first, Chris? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. My thing is with the whole Syracuse-Clemson thing, Clemson is going to come way more ready to play for a night game, which is most likely what's going to happen against South Carolina, their rival compared to how they're going to come to play for a noon kickoff against Syracuse. And obviously there were a lot of different things going on with Clemson and Syracuse at the time. If Clemson would have played Syracuse, like they would have played the last three teams they played, they would have beat Syracuse by 30. I mean, Clemson obviously has a very weak schedule, and I think that attributes to a lot of what people consider them a very good team. And they are a very good football team. There's no denying that. They're a very talented football team. They're more a more talented football team than South Carolina is right now. But is there a chance South Carolina can win that game? Absolutely. Football's you know, any given – I would say any given Sunday for NFL, but any given Saturday, anything can happen. Things can go your way and things – you know, maybe you just have the, the football guys are in your favor that week. Can they beat them? Absolutely. Will it happen? I seriously doubt it. I would say – 10% chance right now. And then, and if Jay Billy can come out and play his mind off against Florida and throw for over 300 yards, and absolutely I'll have all the faith in the world that we can go in and beat Clemson in two, in two or three weeks. But right now I don't see a very high chance of beating Clemson whatsoever. Yeah. Um, first off, I, first thing I want to say, armchair South Kakalaki, love it. What's up, Spurs up, love it. <laughs> um, percentage chance that we beat Clemson. 
one percent. I mean, you want me to be realistic or not? I mean, I just think until and I think maybe I told you this, Tom, but until South Carolina can hang within twenty-one of Clemson, I'm not picking them to win, and I'm not probably going to pick it to be a very close game. I mean, like you said, it's any given Saturday. You know, anything can happen. But like you said, against Syracuse, that was you know obviously there was all the the drama with Kelly Bryant transferring. You know. Uh, Trevor Lawrence finally got in the reins over a much, much different scenario than what's going to be the final game uh, in Clemson. He's played a bunch. They're crushing teams right now. Um, and I'm just really afraid what you saw Jordan Tamu and those guys do, it's going to be a lot more of the same when when South Carolina plays Clemson. So, I, you know, hate to be the Debbie Downer, especially to end the show. I should have got that one first, but I just got to say 1%. I, I just don't. I mean, we'll get to Clemson and Clemson week. Trust me. We'll have plenty of discussion on that. Um, so, that's pretty much going to do it. Just wrapping it up, Tom. Obviously, some things have been going on in Gamecock country. Obviously, the Gamecocks are playing a basketball game right now, actually, as we are recording. They were up by eight at halftime. I'm trying to pull up a score here. Uh, they so, won 65-52. I checked last. And you know what's crazy? How quick those games go by. It's like a two-hour game. When they play uh, with basketball, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with them playing two 15 minute halves and not four quarters. Right. I think with four quarters, you have a lot more breaks. And obviously, there are a decent amount of breaks in the 15 minute uh, halves. But I really, I mean, maybe I missed this, but I have no idea why college basketball, men's college basketball games play two 15 minute halves and not four quarters. Because if you think about it, high school level plays four quarters, NBA plays four quarters, even women's college basketball plays four quarters. Why does men's college basketball not play four quarters instead of two halves? I mean, I maybe I mean I don't know if it makes a big deal or not, but it's just just mind boggling to me. Yeah, I honestly have no idea. I couldn't tell you. Um, something else funny that I wanted to bring up that happened, Tom. I'm sure you saw it. Um, the Will Muschamp football guy never stops. Um, Will Muschamp asked today about the election, if you will, and obviously I'm not here to get into politics, but just think it was too funny not to bring up uh, Josh Kendall of the state. Asked Will Muschamp about, you know, does he talk to his players about getting out and voting and doing anything? He just simply shook his head. No. I mean, like, my thing. Josh Kendall asked, was there – there was an election today? He said there was. He's like, my my focus is on Florida. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but just absolutely hysterical from Will Muschamp, who I think was really needling Josh Kendall. I think some people are maybe taking a little more serious than it actually is. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think I saw – I feel like I saw one tweet where some guy was like, he quote tweeted Muschamp's, um, what Muschamp said in the press conference and was like, I'm, it said something how Muschamp in his opening like statement and whenever he first got hired about how he was building young men for life and it had like 200 something retweets. And I'm like, bro, he's getting ready for it to go play his, the, the team he was previously a head co- coach for. I'm sure the last thing on his mind is telling his kids that they need to go vote. I mean, if you look on Twitter right now, it seems like every celebrity and their mom is telling go kids to vote. Like, telling everyone, not just kids, everyone to go vote. That's not something – obviously, I'm sure that he stresses that, you know, that's probably something that he maybe should address once a year, but not something that he needs to talk about in game preparation. That's not something he needs to address at all. I mean, bottom line, he's a football guy. He, yeah, he, definitely. He's football 24-7, 365, and that's just Will Must champion who Will Must champion is. So, just very, very awesome. Um, lastly, closing up, be sure to stay tuned to us um, with the Spurs Up show. We've got – a ton of exciting stuff coming up, stuff you guys don't even know about right now. Um, ton of cool stuff happening. Be sure to also go check out our store, our Armchair South Carolina store. We've got it in the link in our bio all over our social media. Got a ton of dope stuff there. 
a lot of cool merch. You've obviously seen we've, we've partnered up with Gamecock Art, one of our really, really good friends, uh, for some really cool merch pieces, and we'll have some more stuff coming up as well. Um, but, Tom, any last words, anything else you want to close with before we get to your interview with, uh, with Jackson? Uh, not really. Uh, don't hate me, guys, if the interview is not the greatest in the world. Chris is a lot better at this kind of stuff. But um, I thought it was, a, it was a fun interview. Jackson's a really cool dude. Um, he did say something at the end of it that's probably going to make you want to punch your phone. But um, uh, just listen in and have a good time. Set the bar low. I like that. And don't give yourself more credit than me. I like that as well. But, all right, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, be sure to come back to us next, next week as we recap the Gamecocks game of Florida, preview the Gamecocks upcoming game with Chattanooga and break everything else down. But until then, enjoy this interview with Jackson Raymer of Inside the Gators. Uh, welcome to the interview segment of the Spurs Up Show today. We're here with Jackson Raymer of is it inside is it inside the Gators? I'm I'm definitely wrong on that. Yeah, yeah, it's inside the Gators. Inside the Gators, I was actually right. But um, anyway, Jackson's a former guy here at Armchair. Got uh goes to UF. Big, I would say I don't want to say Gator fan because he's technically a journalist. And you're supposed to be unbiased, but uh. Um, Jackson's here to talk about the Gamecock Florida game and see how what his feels on the game about everything. So. Jackson, where do you feel like Florida is now under Mullen in year one? Uh, first off, thank you for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's, it's been fun listening to y'all grow throughout the uh, throughout the year. So, uh, thank you for having me on. And through this year, uh, it takes a while to kind of change that cultural mentality from a team that really should have been a two-win team last year. You know, we kind of – some of our guys, they feel like they're more – out there for themselves and not the team and trying to play towards the Gator standard. And Mullen's trying to do that in year one. It takes some time, obviously. I mean, he's only been here for nine games. If you, I don't know if you saw his press conference after the Missouri game. Um, but he, he kind of called the team out, uh, trying to see how tough they are. He got kind of lacked the leadership. And since he's been here, that's kind of his, his main thing, is trying to build some of these guys, leaders, um, inside the locker room and outside. And, we're still getting there, so I'm hoping after a full college football season, let him get some of his players in there. Um, that culture kind of changes into a more positive direction, but I, I think he's doing a good job right now. Well, I mean, from an outsider's perspective looking in, I think he's having to take over a team that I wouldn't say was nearly as depleted as what Muschamp took over at South Carolina, but I would say like leadership-wise and from a, a play, from a locker room standpoint, but it would have been pretty similar in the way that it, they were on a losing trend and everything seemed to be down the same way that Spurrier left the program at South Carolina with how McElwain left Florida. I mean, I don't know if you would agree to say that, but it would be something similar. I could kind of, kind of agree there. But, um, for I mean, you know, obviously, I mean, Florida's had a lot of success this year. At least from my eyes, you, go, you know, you guys beat – um, Mississippi State on the road, a ranked opponent at the time, and then you come back next week and beat LSU at home, hand them their only loss of the season so far, except that, you know, Alabama, who obviously it's going to be hard for anybody to beat Alabama this year considering the way they're playing. But um, how do you – how does the team go from winning four SEC games in a row? You know, you had Tennessee, Mississippi State, LSU, Bandy, to losing to UGA and Missouri back-to-back. Hold on, Chris. I'm breaking up with you real quick. Can you repeat that? Uh, I was I was saying that you know you go from the high of winning four SEC games in a row, Tennessee, MSU, LSU, and Vandy to losing to UJ Missouri. What what do you think? Why do you think they lost those games like that? And what do you think contributed the most to those losses? 
Uh, Georgia, I'll just say they they are the better football team. Um, you know, under year three of Kirby Smart, they've kind of gelled more together. They got the better athletes, and we're still in a rebuilding stage. And um, I think, you know, if you if you watch that Florida Georgia game, uh, that first play, Felipe Franks missed a wide open Van Jefferson on the flea flicker, and honestly, I think that changed the game. If we connected that, we go up seven three, and said two plays later we fumble and it's ten nothing. So. Um, Georgia, I can have just a few mistakes, a few turnovers, especially two in the first half, um, and then one at the one-yard line, so later on in the third quarter. So just a few things of turnovers, and I think Georgia just kind of took us out of out of our rhythm. Like, these guys, I don't think they can really handle losing yet. They they enjoy the win, obviously, but I don't think they've, they've got the right mindset and attitude of how to bounce back from a win. And we kind of saw that against Missouri. Um kind of like a lack of leadership um, in the locker room throughout the week, trying to get these guys prepared. Um, Georgia kind of knocked us out of the SEC East race and pretty much out of playoff talk. Um, so that kind of got some guys down. We heard on Monday, uh, one of our receivers, Josh Hammond, he mentioned that, that on the bus ride home from the game and throughout the week preparation, he could really tell um, the guys kind of, he didn't say it, but you could tell they kind of lost focus due to their main goals being unachievable now. So I think those guys kind of lost their edge, lost their competitive spirit for a game. And you saw it happen on, on Saturday when Drew Locke just picked us apart for, for four quarters. So I think about this week, um, Mullen and a few other players, they've kind of stepped up in the locker room and chewed some guys out. Uh, R.J. Raymond, he's pretty much a third or fourth string tight end, really. He's been – he was here with Muschamp. There's six Muschamp players still on the roster, and he's one of them. He was a walk-on linebacker under Muschamp. Now he's playing tight end, pretty much doing everything. And it kind of says something. That's the guy that has to stand up in the locker room and call people out, like, where's your quarterback? Where's your defensive star? Where's your offensive star that's really going to step up and, you know, kind of rally the troops a little bit? And – um I'm hoping to see that this week in the locker room through preparation and and see which guys are really going to buy into this Mullen culture. Well, you know you talk about, you know, the quarterback position and leadership from there. What is your take on the quarterback situation at Florida right now? Oh, boy, it's a mess. It's been a mess for the last nine years now. I think this would be, yeah, nine years straight. Um, we're having to play – we're going to be playing a backup, starting a backup by the end of the year, I'm sure. Um Franks. I mean, we saw through the first six games what he could do. I, I was pleased with the progress. He saw him go on the road at Mississippi State, which is not an easy place, especially with Dan Mullen coming back, and that was kind of a hostile environment. So, um, that was a good win. He made some good throws on third down. We didn't score a lot, but we did enough to win the ball game. And then you saw him come back against LSU and lead a game-winning touchdown drive with about nine minutes left, and that's something you wouldn't have seen in years past from our quarterback. So I was. I was really surprised and, and uh, excited about just those little things that he's gotten better at, overcame an interception against LSU. And then I, I just think that's his ceiling. That's all, he's, he's just going to be the kind of guy that goes out there and, you know, 205, 215 yards and a touchdown. That's the kind of guy he is. And if he turns the ball over, he's done. He's, he loses his confidence. He loses his mojo. And there's really no – no getting him back in the game after that. And you saw that against Georgia after we fumbled the football and he throws an interception. And last week it was – he went 9 for 22 against a team that ranks 117th in the country in pass defense. So, obviously, that's not a confidence booster. 
And we got to see a guy in Kyle Trask who's 6'5", 240 pounds. He's a guy out of uh, Texas, a three-star prospect. Um, hasn't started a game since middle school, uh, honestly. So uh, Mullen said last week against Missouri, Franks would have a long leash. I think this week he hasn't said it, but Franks doesn't have a lot shorter leash. And I'm, I'm calling it that Franks plays two drives maximum, maybe three. I, I don't see past three because those fans are going to be on him. Two drives, if he doesn't put up at least – a touchdown, he's out of the game, and we're going to see Kyle Trask and see what he can do. Well, what about, you know, there's also Emory. Four-star at a new red short rule. He can play four games, so he's playing in two right now. He's saw him a little package plays against Georgia. And uh, Mullen's got a plan for him the next two games. So I really think Emory Jones is the future, but, I mean – with how Franks has played the last two weeks, you really can't have him in the game anymore. And I, I think Kyle Trask is going to, going to get a big opportunity Saturday against South Carolina. Well, that's what I was trying, I was going to get to is that do you think that there's any way that they would burn the red shirt on Emory Jones this year, even if it – I mean, the season – I want to say it's a wash at this point, but you know you're not winning the East and you know you're not making the playoffs. So would you think it would be worth it at all to burn the red shirt on Emory Jones to like beat Florida State or beat South Carolina this week? Uh, see – after the Missouri game, yes, I was I was in the red shirt. I mean, you get these guys there. We got four games left, including the bowl game, and he's probably going to be our, our starter next year. Um, week one against Miami and Orlando. So I'm like, throw the guy and, you know, let him get some experience. Cause let, it, let him get his feet wet. But you could tell in the Georgia game, you know, only in the like, five or six plays he played, he real confident in getting the – play calls then from the sideline. So that's one thing he, I think he's still working on. Doesn't really know the playbook. And Mullins reiterated multiple times the last few weeks that he does not plan on burning the red shirt. So, I, I mean, I understand that. You don't want to throw the kid in there too quickly. And with that red shirt rule of, you know, get to play four games and he can play in half the games and as many snaps in those two games as they want at the end of the year, I think that's what we're going to roll with. See Kyle Trask. Uh, for the majority of the, the snaps for the rest of the season. So for right now in this moment, would you trade Jake? Uh, would you trade Felipe Frank for Jake Bentley? Uh, you know what? Probably I would because yeah, I know, I know, and I don't, I'm not a big Jake Bentley fan, but um, I think he's got more of the skill set that Mullen is probably looking for as a, uh, a kind of a tougher guy. Um, he can make some throws. You know, we, we obviously know Jake's ceiling and, and what he can do. He's not really a game kind of winner, but, ah, man, you got to – and I, in the Mullen offense, we, he, we try to run the read option about six, seven times a game. And Felipe Franks keep, just hands it off every single time. And I, I just feel like Bentley is one of those guys. I haven't watched much of South Carolina this year. Just been bit, so busy on game days. But I feel like he would just – he would be more of a willing runner, you know, kind of a – a game manager in the passing game for Florida. And, yeah, I'll take Jake Bentley over Felipe Franks right now. Okay, well, going from that, what's, you know, what's one player, what is something that South Carolina does that scares you the most going for like, going for the game Saturday? Two good backs. Um, I know our run defense isn't all that great, so any team that really can establish the run game early um, – and I know Jake Bentley, he's uh, he's an accurate thrower, but if you get him to throw more than, you know, 32, 35 times a game, South Carolina is typically struggling in that ball game. But, um, yeah, kind of even the passing game, man, we uh, 
Florida, they're, they're thin on the secondary. We're kind of just out of our mojo right now. We got several starters down. I think we're down six total defensive backs. And South Carolina has proven they can throw the football in a lot of games this year for a lot of yards. So that's something I am a little bit worried about, if they can get that passing game clicking early and get the Gators' defense off balance. Well, I mean, that's something that South Carolina in general this year, if they can get out to a – I don't say a lead, but if they keep themselves in the game early than they – like statistically against games like Ole Miss, you know, if we'd had a slow start that game, you know, take Debo Samuel's kickoff return for touchdown away, we might not win that game. But, um, you know, I don't know if you've been paying attention to South Carolina's defense in general, but secondary is very thin. We just lost Jam Williams and Javon Charles for the year, and Nick Harvey and JT Ibe are most likely going to be out for this game. That's four different safeties that South Carolina's not going to have that are all scholarship players. Do you think or how do you think that Dan Mullen and maybe even Felipe Franks are going to take advantage of that? Um, I, that's a good question. We saw uh, Missouri, who had all their starters on the back end, and they're they're a bad, bad secondary football team, and a lot of teams are throwing for a lot of yards on them. And you know, we had some open guys. Uh, a lot of the first half, like our, our best receiver right now, Van Jefferson, I think had fourteen or fifteen targets, and only had four catches. So, I mean, we had guys open. It was the lack of execution of of hitting those guys. So, I'm really not worried. I don't see Frank's ball game for very long. I really don't. So I can see Kyle Trask kind of test these, test those waters in the secondary, finding a few men uh, across the middle of the field and maybe a few home run shots because we got some deep ball threats and Trayvon Grimes, uh, Van Jefferson, and Tyree Cleveland. So I think Trask is the guy you need to be worried about. He can make all the throws, big arm, big kid. and he, He's a willing runner. And I honestly think South Carolina would be preparing for him Instead of Felipe Franks, so I don't see Franks being. Well, okay, we both know you're a betting man, Jackson. Who do you think? Who? Well, you know, I think the the spread is maybe six right now in the favor of Florida. Who do you take in the betting side, and then who do you take to win the game? Um, betting side, I'll take South Carolina six points. I'll, I'll take South Carolina plus six. Yeah, I was uh. I was very close to taking Missouri. I think we were Florida was a seven point favorite over Missouri, and I, I was very close. I don't bet on my team, so I, I try to s- stray away from that. But if I would, I, I would have thrown money on um, on Missouri plus seven, and I'll, I'll do the same with South Carolina. I think Florida is just, uh, you know, after we could regroup this week, but I see this being. I still think Florida's going to win this football game, and I see it being. Roughly, probably, you know, like a 27-23 kind of game, 27-24. Yeah, but if I was a gambling man, I would take South Carolina for sure. Okay, so, you know, you take Florida to win. What's something off the top of your head that Florida has to do to make sure they can win this ballgame? Oh, we got to be able to run the football. And that was apparent against Missouri. First drive, we came out with three straight passing plays, and that is is not Florida. We, We need to establish the run game. Um, I think we threw the ball five times out of the eight plays on the first drive and uh, it eventually resulted in a punt, but we struggled against running the ball against Missouri, and so did a lot of teams. Um, again, but we were, we were kind of scared to do that early in the game, so I think if we can exploit that on South Carolina and their front line. I just saw that uh, – I can't remember the name, but you'll have a defensive lineman questionable this week with uh, – Bryce Knight injury. Williams and uh, Aaron Sterling are both questionable for this uh, weekend. Okay, so yeah, I just I believe if we can run for 175 yards or more. I think we got a really good shot of winning this football game. Well, um, Jackson, it's good to have you on. Good to speak to you. Something about you know the Gators. I know love to hate Florida. Sadly, it won't be this weekend. <laughs> 
But uh, have some fun down there, man. Hopefully the Gamecocks pull out a victory. Oh, sorry. I'm at a loss here right there. But thank you very much, and thanks for having me on. All right. Sounds good, man. What kind of work? Yep, go Gators.